Welcome to All Things Wolverines, a Wolverine sports podcast for the people, by the people. Enjoy expert analysis, entertaining discussion, and the pessimism of true Michigan fans. Get ready for All Things Wolverines. All right, welcome to All Things Wolverines. Brandon, Cousin Kyle, and Nate coming at you after Michigan's big victory against the Minnesota Golden Gophers up in Minnesota, uh, where Michigan extends the streak of winning every road game versus Minnesota since 1977. Uh, Nate, get us in. What's your one big takeaway as you're thinking about this past this past week against the the old Golden Gophers? Well, Brandon, good having you back. It wasn't the same without you. Uh, we missed you deeply, always, when you're not available or any of us aren't available. But uh, good to see you back, buddy. We uh, halfway point, guys. Crazy. Um, six and oh. And uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me, and I, I spoke with Kyle about this, I think, but I just, for whatever reason, I was very nostalgic this past Saturday. As in, how many games, guys, like the past 15 years, where it's like just trying to beat Northwestern, a three-win Northwestern team at home, you know, like just the survival games, even like in our good years, it's these blowouts, this consistently have never happened in my lifetime. Like even when we were great, our blowouts, you look back at some of the scores that you thought were like way, way away from like being caught up. We were only like winning by 13 points. And these games just aren't competitive. And I know it's the lowly Big Ten West, the worst they've maybe ever been. But this is also, you know, we, we're, we've got 19 conference wins in a row. Um, so, sorry, the program record is 19 wins in a row. We are currently at 18. It's the seventh longest streak in the history of the Big Ten. And we have IU, Purdue, and arguably one of the worst Michigan State teams they've ever put together definitely in, in modern history. So yeah, we're likely going to break the program record and that's bananas. I just don't want to take it for granted. It's really fun to watch. They're great in most every capacity of this team. The expectations are as high as you can get, right? It's national championship or bust this year. It just, it is. And I don't want to sit and be like acting all nervous. I just want to actually enjoy it. So I think I just enjoyed Saturday up in the Twin Cities there up against the Gophers uh, and uh, put them out of business pretty quickly, pretty easily. Pick six from Roll Johnson, second play of the game <laughs> um, to the end. It was just not even close. And, man, it's fun to watch. So that's where I'm at. Just enjoy the ride. You know, the games will come that will be competitive. But, man, it's three other cupcake games, if you will. So just enjoy yourself the next few weeks mm. until you have to get nervous about certain games. Don't take it for granted, but that's not up to us. That's up to the coaches and players. So you, your job as a fan is to cheer them on, encourage them, and enjoy the viewing pleasure of watching Michigan just spank the opponents to, to oblivion. You know, I think you could actually summarize Nate's one big takeaway with the wise Steven Tyler's, I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing. And uh, so just, just soak it up, just soak it up. 
like Nate said, enjoy it. It is a beautiful thing. Bring the juice wherever you're coming from, whether you're at the game, in your living room, on your phone, at your child's game, wherever you might be watching. If that song's in my head this week, I'm I'm going to harass you for the remainder of the week, just for the record. And I mean that all with love in my heart. But That was uh, my first dance. Great quote. First dance I ever had was to that song. <laughs> a girl named Mary. Oh, it's nostalgic, it's nostalgic for you, Middle too. School. Oh, yeah. That's great. Oh, my. All right. Cousin Kyle, what's your one big takeaway from Michigan's big win against the Golden Gophers? Man, between that song and Nate saying that we're halfway through the season, I'm I'm feeling all kinds of things over here. Um, yeah, I mean, like Nate said, I mean, we wait, we wait from January to September, right? For for this. We wait like eight months and now we're halfway through it. Man. And I just think, yeah, like as Nate said, we just need to sit back and enjoy this dominant team as much as we possibly can. I think that this team might be the most dominant michigan team we've ever get we uh the collective three of us have ever gotten a witness you know we if you look back on on the bow years uh which he was a little bit before our time um it seemed like there was always some sort of fatal flaw about those teams just by looking at his rose bowl record like they just never could win out on the west coast and i think that you know lloyd teams always always seem to screw up one winnable game at least, you know, I don't think I'll ever get over the special team disasters of uh, 2003. So like that is, you know, that that's, yeah, frustrating. But, you know, this team is, is awesome and they're not perfect, but they are just awesome to watch. And so, yeah, just like Nate said, like we, we just, you know, sit back, enjoy it. I honestly think that they should now should is not will but they should beat every team on their schedule by double digits. I, I think that's how good they are. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, obviously I'll still be nervous when we go to, to Happy Valley and I'll be nervous when we play Ohio State. But I think you just look at, at how this team is playing uh, right now. They, sh- they should beat everybody by double digits at least. So, and this was another week where two uh, two possessions into the game, it was over. So that's my big takeaway. Yeah, 52 points on 58 total plays. JJ still is not playing in fourth quarters, nor is most of our first, you know, unit on offense. Michigan set the tone immediately with the pick six on the second play of the game from Will Johnson. Outside of the blown coverage that led to the Minnesota touchdown right before half, it was a perfect night. Perfect night. Michigan held Minnesota at 169 total yards. Calicamanis, <clears throat> not sure if I'm saying it right, 5 of 15 with 52 yards passing and two pick sixes. 49 of those yards were on their touchdown. So take that one play away. He was 4 of 14 for three yards passing. That's insane. He completed four passes for three yards. So I love, you know, this Michigan defense is for real. It's amazing. The offense is for real. Obviously, we're going to get into our pessimism, but 52 points on the road. Fantastic. 
pick sixes. Fantastic. To your point, Brandon, to your point, I'm pretty sure the the return yardage of interceptions was more than that. What you just said, the I think it was 62 yards to 52 yards. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, and we know that our defense scored more on their own than their entire you know team for the game as well. Nate, things are so positive. What could go wrong here? Give us the pessimism. Let's get nitpicky. What are you seeing either from this game or the collection of games so far through six games? So we are, as we've established, it's a bad schedule. You're competing against yourself, right? It's that kid who those early days of track and field when those kids are just out there and they're by themselves <laughs> and you're like, you see the parent is screaming at the child and there's no one else around them. And you're like, why is that parent screaming at their child? Though that should probably never happen anyway. at like eight year olds running, but they're trying to get their kid to get the personal best, right? It's trying to beat themselves. Um, and uh, that's really where we are for Michigan football is we're trying to see, show us that you are competent. You're, you're doing what you need to be doing. You're where you're supposed to be. Um, that's really what we're grading. We're, these gripes are just for the national championship. I don't think the touchdown is anything to gripe about that we gave up because as you said, Brandon, it was such like pretend like you're a 10 year old playing Madden and the most bull crap play happens and you throw your controller up against the wall. You turn it off. And you're, it's a restart. I, I went home because I left at halftime and um, to come watch the rest of the game at my house. And I was just like, that's not going to happen twice. <laughs> because there was no, it was a perfect pass. I actually think Saab did what he wanted to do because they were clearly playing for a field goal. They were not competing to go to the end zone at all. So it was a complete surprise in a 1% throw that he put. And they also have a good receiver. That that kid's the one that beat Nebraska, that dragged his foot. He's a, he's going to be an NFL slot. I think he's a solid receiver. We've talked about Minnesota having good pros. He's going to be one of them. But it was just like the likelihood of that happening twice was just so low. I was like, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, that's not happening three times. This will not be competitive. So my thing is, I'm worried because the stretch run that they had, I don't know if Ohio State's going to run that. I feel like they want to. That's what we're looking at. And so the stretch run, I'm nervous that Junior Colson is still not decisive enough against the run. I saw him be so passive in certain like gaps. I think Hosman's the guy, um, personally, for me, that's more of a run stopper. I think Barrett gets his nose in there. I think Colson is still not at the level you hope for in a guy that started for three years. He's just got to go. Like, at the end of the day, when they're running, clearly they're running because it's Minnesota. You have to go, man. So that's my worry is Junior Colson's decisiveness still not being where it needs to be. It's not about – when you're running stretch zone, it's not about just, like, waiting for the running back. you gotta you got to destroy the lineman because it disrupts everything and it opens up holes and then other guys can fill in. We've got the defensive front to pull it off, but Colson's just got to take off. I don't think he's there. So I'm sure they're going to be working with him. Partridge obviously saw something. He's clearly intelligent at coaching linebackers, not concerned that they'll fix it, 
But three years into the system, I'm a little nervous right in the middle there uh, of a team that knows how to run the ball, could maybe surprise us a little bit and uh, on the national level uh, and, and, and disrupt the game flow of what we want to do. Because as, as we know, we like to run the clock out. So um, if someone else does that to us, that disrupts our flow and our offensive strategy. So that's going to be the way that someone could potentially harm us down the road. So that's my big concern. Secondary, I think, is going to get healthy. Will Johnson's back to form. I think Rod Moore is going to be back. I think, again, that play was such an anomaly that I don't think it's going to happen twice, especially not a Minnesota team. But, um, yeah, that's my concern is, is Junior Colson, your three-year starting middle linebacker, still not being decisive enough. I think that's that's my concern moving forward. That's good. Cousin Kyle, bring your Michigan pessimism. What are you seeing either after this game or just kind of the aggregation after through the six six wins we've had so far? Well, I am going to be pessimistic about that pass, Nate. Don't you tell me what to do. Um, no, I mean, I th- I think uh, he's right. Like, it, it is a, a pass that does not get completed nine out of ten times, maybe even 99 out of 100 times. I do think, though, that we've had, like, at least in Big Ten play, there's been that one play where it's like, okay, you know, the Rutgers – touchdown nebraska scores a touchdown minnesota scores a touchdown all on all on plays that probably are not going to be successful nine out of ten times or at least result in a touchdown nine out of ten times um and you know so you're like nate said you're you're really thinking about when we played penn state ohio state in the playoff national championship game when that play pops up there that is much more worrisome than against minnesota right like Minnesota didn't score another touchdown. Rutgers only scored one touchdown. Nebraska only scored one touchdown. So it's like we're not really concerned about losing those games. We're concerned about what does it look like when Drew Aller gets that play or when Marvin Harrison Jr. gets that play or when Brock Bowers gets that play. You know, like that's that's really what we're thinking about. And, you know, those are the things that can sink you. And if you limit it to one a game, not that big of a deal, but you have a TCU game, where it's like, okay, JJ throws two picks out of nowhere for t- like pick sixes out of nowhere. That's when it's like, oh crap, now this is a game where it shouldn't be. And that's what, you know, will potentially cause Michigan to lose a game if they were to lose a game. So that's where the pessimism is. Yeah, I think that's a really good, a really good point because just like Michigan had the pick six on the second play of the game, it shapes the whole game. It shapes the mentality, momentum, all that kind of stuff. And so you have one of the two of those plays um, where you miss step on your own offense and then you have that on defense and now you're in a big hole, right? So I think um, my pessimism is going to continue a thread. I've had a couple of them this year, but um, I've been uh, fairly discouraged with the lack of a number three wide receiver surfacing as an option. Obviously, we have Loveland and Donovan Edwards, right? Those are kind of our options three and four, it seems like. But in a close game, which we've not had, or when we are behind, which we've not had, we need guys that can get out there and make plays. And I'm a little concerned that they're just not getting those reps or plays or opportunities. Some of that is because of the kind of lead that we've had um, in these games. But we're just not getting 
reps. So just for context, wide receiver catches, I'm not talking tight ends or running backs. Wide receiver catches, Roman Wilson with 22, Cornelius Johnson, 18, Samaj Morgan, six, Tyler Morris, four, Darius Clemens, three. Okay, so our number three wide receiver has six catches through six games. For context, Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr., 25 catches. Abuka, 22. Fleming, 15 catches. I realize they run a different offense. I also realize they've had a lot of close games where they've had to throw. So that shapes it a little bit, but it's just interesting. Purdue's number three wide receiver has 24 catches. Penn State's number three wide receiver has 10 catches. Maryland's number three wide receiver, 21. It's just interesting context to look. Obviously, Michigan hasn't thrown as much as these teams. But the truth is, is we still need a number three wide receiver to really surface over these next stretch of games in case of an injury, in case we get behind in a game, in case we need to stretch the field a little bit differently. Um, we're, we're definitely, when we're behind, we're going to have some version of number three, number four wide receivers out there, probably with Colson Loveland. Obviously, sometimes Edwards will work in. But um, I'd like to see that change. I'd like to get that number three wide receiver in double digits here real quick, maybe against IU. Um, maybe that number four receiver, get them a few more catches, just getting them comfortable in those environments. So obviously our offense is great. I think that is one thing we're lacking in uh, even in these blowout wins. All right, let's move on to overanalyze. Let's get in deep dive analysis. What are you seeing, Nate? What are you highlighting this week? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I think to, to what you're saying, Brandon, it is interesting and stats are always funny, right? Cause you can, as we know, you can, you can spin them how you wish. And so the thing I guess I've looked at for Michigan is we've just not ran nearly as many plays as other teams because we're not, I mean, our offense is just running the clock out and we've been with a lot of teams that I think just want to end the game like our first four games, like the teams were just running the ball as much as we were. And we're like, are you wanting to, okay. All right. I guess we're just going to, I guess we're just going to watch this. So I think some of it has to do with that. Um, I think what I've observed from our team that's different this year than previous years, um, where we've been so stubborn with just running and I love the running, right? That's what we, that's what Michigan does. Um, but with JJ, you know, there's there's a coach um, back in the 40s who talked about how in order to establish the run, you have to establish the pass because it opens up the running lane so much more. And you modernize that in today's offense and with a quarterback like J.J. McCarthy, who you don't know if he's going to run, if he's going to hand it off, if he's going to play action, roll out and throw, um, it just changes everything. And so I think what we're noticing is on the – on the field goal possession where Cornelius dropped that, what I thought was going to be a touchdown on our first drive was a 10 play drive. Um, we threw the ball six times and I just think that's not a normal, usual opportunity at a fourth and one, they threw to Kalel Mullings, you know, which I know Kyle was nervous about. And I think a lot of us were because we're like, can Mullings catch, you know? <laughs> Um, and I think that just proves the point of what they've done so much is that was wide open and it became an easy pass because no one's looking at Mullings to catch. No one's looking for him to get the ball after he gets a play action there. 
And so because of the nature of how we've been flowing this offense, Samaj Morgan on these like screen passes, he's gotten seven yards a pop on those. So I think they run such a strategic offense um, with their personnel that they're not concerned about maybe establishing a third receiver because Barner is just as solid, in my personal opinion, as Loveland is with regards to just his catchability. He's not as athletic as Colston is, but he is as reliable as a target. And so I think they've got two solid can start and 95% of program, you know, power five teams at tight end. They've got two very solid uh, receivers. I just saw Roman Wilson is the number one PFF graded against single coverage in the nation right now. Um, and we're reliable. And so they've just decided to change their offense a little bit more with Sharon Moore, thankfully, Sharon Moore for president. I think he's done a great job with this offense. Um, the offensive line is solid. They've established the pass, so the running lanes are going to continue to open up because the better teams that we play down the road, the Penn States, the Ohio States, um, even I'll give Maryland a little bit of credit, um, that's going to open up running lanes because they're going to have to respect some things that no one's had to respect in the past. So I'm very excited to see where this happens, um, and I think those lanes are going to open up a little more than than what we're used to. Um, because the pass is being established so much better in the early days. So that's that's my coachism, if you will, is establish the pass to establish the run. And uh, it's fun to see that because I can't tell you the last time that's happened for Michigan football. Nate, when you uh, play NCAA 14, is that the approach that you take as well? Do you seek to pass early and often to open up the running lanes later? Or what are we looking at? I'm, I'm very uh, tight end heavy, so I do a lot mm. of play action double tights. And uh, it's usually over the middle for a seven yard gain and bruise them or mm. uh yeah sometimes sometimes it's just a streak tight end streak yeah because uh, they forget about my boys so anyway but that i always go with low Western to Kentucky medium tops. chunk yardage low to medium chunk yardage yes always also let's get that ncaa football game out pronto please yes let's get that new one out immediately all right cousin kyle over analyze get us in what are you seeing what are you looking at take the deep dive I think that um, Mason Graham is the kind of player that you look at and sort of think of um, like he'd be an Alabama or a Georgia defensive lineman in the sense of just like he is such a game changer. And, you know, he was out for just a week, right? He was out against Nebraska and we took care of Nebraska. That was fine. Like we have a great defensive line without Mason Graham, but with him, I mean, it's just uh, an overabundance of of wealth and talent. When you think about him, Chris Jenkins, Ken Grant, uh, Rayshon Benny, all of them are defensive tackles at Michigan. All of them would start on every other team, I think, in the Big Ten. And uh, we get to rotate in basically two first teams and keep all these guys fresh. And there is a play in particular that I think stands out probably in all of our minds. And that is Kenny, or I'm sorry, Mason Graham with his club hand swimming through the offensive line, getting getting like a crack block on him. Like he gets pushed and he just flies, soars through the air like some sort of ancient pterodactyl uh, that just just consumes the Minnesota quarterback. And I mean, it was it was amazing to watch live. It's amazing to rewatch. And, you know, he's a true sophomore. 
And I think that that it's his play in particular and the defensive line's play in general that puts us in that position to win every game by double digits if if we if we play our cards right. So yeah, man, just Mason Graham. We 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 can't say enough about him. Yeah, I I had that too of just Mason Graham's presence changes our entire defensive unit. I mean, that sack he had. Some, a couple TFLs, played 28 plays, 90.7 PFF grade. Um, not to mention you have Kenneth Grant around. Uh, not to mention Cam Good had a Grant game. Josiah Stewart had some appearance. I mean, it is absolutely insane. Josiah Stewart gave a nickname to Mason Graham, by the way. So we've got, what, Chris Jenkins is the mutant. Kenneth Grant is Bowser. And with the club on his hand, um, Josiah Stewart just said yesterday, he goes, we want to call him Thanos. Oh, man. Our, which fits. I would I would love that. So that trifecta up front, the nicknames alone, <laughs> it's just tremendous. All time, all time great, just on nicknames. Well, in our <clears throat> the, his ability and that, you know, our front seven's ability allows our secondary to elevate and our secondary unit has been injured. Lots of guys in rotation has not seemed elite, but then seeing them make some big plays and change the trajectory of the game was amazing. <laughs> Obviously, excuse me. Um, we talked about the one play, the, the Minnesota touchdown, like you said, nine times out of 10, uh, th that play is not happening. Um, and Keon Saab, who was likely maybe at fault for the TD, because I feel like Mikey played it almost perfectly, had a nice pick six. That was awesome to see. Uh, Rod Moore getting more snaps, awesome to see. Our O-line, we're making some decisions. 43 plays for Henderson. Maintained a status alongside the other starters. Hinton got like 14 plays. And uh, Henderson finished as the highest-graded offensive lineman on Michigan's roster this week. And then Nate mentioned A.J. Barner. 93.2 PFF grade, 41 plays. A.J. Barner played 41 snaps. Elite run blocker. Elite run blocker. I mean, just thank you, IU, for this gift. Um, because he is going to punish your linebackers, um, your tackles when he chips on them. He he's elite. He's phenomenal in the in the run game. So he's like our new Ronnie Bell in that respect. Like he is just a game changer at tight end blocking for us. So um, amazing to see things in the trenches, how things are falling together in the complete scheme on offense and defense. All right, it's that time. ATW Awards of the week. Nate, get us in. Glad you uh, highlighted Barner's blocking. I, I heard and saw on PFF that Barner and Bredesen are both top six rated in the nation at tight end blocking, which is bananas. Um, it was just, just an embarrassment of riches, guys. Enjoy it. Uh, yeah, player of the week. Haven't gone to him yet because I was just waiting on the right time. But J.J. McCarthy, guys, next question. You know, it's like, what does the guy not do? He... We've never seen a person like this at the quarterback position that is equal threats running, equal threats throwing, 
and just a good decision maker. I know the Bowling Green game happened, but that's quarterbacks, man. Like Patrick Mahomes has bad days. It's like not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, but quarterback position, unless you've played it. Oh man, it's an impossible position to be perfect at every week, but it's the system that we've got that I think makes it so unique this year. We had Henson, we've had Denard, we've had mobile guys, but the consistency, the consistency with which he plays, the fluidity with which and the ease in which he runs for touchdowns, um, which PS, can we talk about like the worst officiating crew of all time? Just with I, I really think like the the lines crews need to have LASIK done or something. To Kyle's point, many weeks uh, through this recording of the podcast, you know, let's pay the refs and let's give them great insurance and let's make sure they can see properly. Because there were so many calls. I was like, I thought that was okay. It was very weird. Just strange spots all day. Um, The review of that touchdown, it just took five minutes and I have no idea why. (laughs) He was inside the pylon. It was confusing. Anyway, JJ just does things that 99% of quarterbacks cannot do and in the system that he's running with the offensive line that we have with the tools that he has at his disposal in the backfield and on the edge um it's just very exciting to see someone who leads well who has great decision making who has the psyche that he does with uh his meditation before the games and seems fairly unfazed and i know we've said before he loves the road games and he clearly does um, it was a very easy game for him in an environment that could have been hostile. Minneapolis at night, they talk about, I'm just kidding. They don't talk about that, but, um, yeah, he deserves it, man. He's the MVP of this team. It rises and falls with him. And I think, I, I think a lot watching the game because offensive linemen are going to blow blocking assignments and he just makes it a lot less scary because he can move. And when you have that threat, it changes everything. And he is tremendous. And I think it's time um, for him to be the ATW player of the week. I love it. Congratulations, JJ McCarthy. Big win for you, finally. Um, Cousin Kyle, get us in. What's the big mistake of the week? Well, uh, congratulations, Notre Dame. You're not involved in our big mistake of the week. So good for you. Instead, it's going to go to Maryland's own Joshua Gaddis, who uh, down 10 to Ohio State in the fourth quarter in a game where Maryland seemed like the better team. Can we say that? Like, I was watching. I didn't watch the whole game. I was in and out, you know, Saturday afternoon. You got to take care of things. But, like, I watched a good portion of this game, and I didn't know if I should be afraid of Maryland or if, like, way too confident about playing Ohio State because I don't, you know, Maryland looked a lot better than them for most of this game. And so anyway, Ohio State takes a lead uh, because they have Marvin Harrison Jr. And they get out to a 10-point lead and Maryland decides to run the ball three straight times. And that is just, I mean, that's a decision, I guess. But like they're, they're running back their running game is not very good. And Talia Tungavailo is, I think, the third best quarterback in the Big Ten. I think uh, that argument at least could be made. And you're not letting him. I get bad Talia shows up and he, you know, throws picks when he gets pressured and all that. But, like, 
Oh man. I think I do think that Gaddis is probably a better offensive coordinator than Michigan fans want to give him credit for because we don't like how he left, but he's obviously not good. Like I I yeah, I'm I'm very confused. I saw someone on Twitter say make the analogy that like obviously everyone always talks about how Mel Tucker owes like Ken, Kenneth Walker so much money because that's the only reason why he got the contract that he got. And uh, they basically said the same thing about Gaddis with Hassan Haskins, that he owes Hassan Haskins a lot of money uh, based on, on that 2021 season. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably true. That and probably Harbaugh took over play calling. But anyway, that, that was our big mistake of the week was Maryland's Josh Gaddis. Can you imagine what would happen if Mario Cristobal and Josh Gaddis were coaching on the same team? <laughs> oh man, that with did that ever happen, Nate? I I have a vague memory of that. I I thought there may have been rumors about Miami, Florida last year, but they got rid of them so they wouldn't make mistakes this year. Also, but, I forgot um, to I forgot to say that that after the game, Ryan Day called out Maryland alum Connie Chung for thinking that. Ohio State was too soft to win, so soft shell crab. <laughs> I'm just joking. I met somebody who looks like Ryan Day. Yeah, recently, and I was like, mm, I really struggled well, to like that person. Unfortunately, I was trying not to project that on them and give them the benefit of the doubt. A lot of just, but it was tough. It, it was tough. <clears throat> it was tough. All right, my ATW award for special teamer of the week. Plot twist. Tommy Doman, the 42.7 punt average, but a kickoff out of bounds. I was befuddled. Cousin Kyle texted and was befuddled. Jim Harbaugh looked at him and didn't say anything. He just looked at him for a good two minutes and was like, you're my guy, Tommy. Tommy, you're kicking the ball out of bounds in Minnesota. So this week, once again, our return game, still terrifying. James Turner, one for one field goal, seven for seven extra points, which is not always a guaranteed thing with him, is going to be our ATW special team of the week. Hope this puts a little bit of confidence into old James, old Jimmy Turner. And uh, as he moves throughout the season, when we need those big kicks on the road. So James Turner. You finally made it. Congratulations with your ATW Special Teamer of the Week award. Although it's probably because the rest of our special teams were a dumpster fire again. All right. Now, preview and predictions versus the IU Hoosiers of Memorial Stadium lore. Uh, they're coming to the big house this weekend. Nate, preview predictions. What do you got? Give us your score, too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I also want to give a shout out to Greg Tarr, backup long snapper, was the only player that didn't get in the game to our specialists. Greg, we see you, buddy. Um, next time. Next time. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, guys, here's the deal. IU football. I'm just going to, from now on, call them the round of 32 IU because until further notice, I have yet to see them make it past the round of 32 for IU so yeah that's basketball but that's clearly all they care about it's the worst outside of maybe Vanderbilt consistently worst power five program in division one history 
I mean, just has to be. Guys, this year in particular, it's no different. They're number 88 in the nation against the rush on defense. One ahead of USC, who, as we know, has not been a juggernaut this year. And they are 113th ranked in run offense. Now, they have a few players that I like. Aaron Casey is their middle linebacker. IU always has a few guys that are solid. They do tackle well. They run this, you know, interesting defense that tries to stop the run. But again, like I said earlier, with their pass, I just don't know what they're going to do. There's one danger person on this entire team. His name is Jalen Lucas. He's a nightmare at return. Um, Maryland, foolishly, to Kyle's earlier point, with it's not just Gaddis. I think that team just doesn't make great decisions. Um, they kicked to him the opening kickoff after they scored a touchdown and he returned it from the three all the way to the Maryland 36. I mean, it's just, don't give this guy an opportunity, kick it out of bounds. I think that's a great strategy versus this. I really do. Um, he is just that much of a person. And because the rest of the team is so awful, it's worth it. Let them start at the 35, give them whatever they wish. That's fine, but don't kick it to that guy. Um, (laughs) guys, there's such a, there's such a sad panda of a program. Um, it's just difficult to watch. I watched their game versus Maryland. They somehow were within a touchdown of Louisville. I don't understand it other than Louisville, I think, just had a bunch of a bunch of magic against Notre Dame and they beat them. Papa John's magic. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm hoping. Uh, let's play the backups. Jack Tuttle, three tuds. Uh, AJ Barner gets two. That's my hope for those IU transfers, those poor young men who dealt with so much. And Tom Allen seems like a good guy, but when you're around really Midwestern kind people, what they say about people, when you ask them how they are as an employee, they start with, well, they're a good person. You're like, well, okay. I know where this is. I think that's what Tom Allen is. I think he's a good guy. I think he runs a clean program. I don't think he's a good coach. They don't have a good strategy. They just fired their offensive coordinator. It's going to be a bloodbath. They'll hire a Mac coach from Toledo or Ohio University next year. And we'll win. Hopefully it's a fast game. 40-3, to big noon kickoff on Fox. We finally get to hear Klatt and Gus Johnson. I can't wait. Um, Just for their commentary in general, it's just really fun. It reminds me of last year's run. So anyway, enjoy yourselves, but IU are who we think they are and uh just enjoy it all right cousin kyle previews and predictions first the iu hoosiers of memorial stadium assembly hall not to be confused with the university of illinois memorial stadium and assembly hall um what do you what do you what do you think here cousin kyle preview and predictions as the Hoosiers come to the big house. To, to Nate's point about IU being the worst Power 5 program, they actually are because they have the most losses. Like Michigan has the most victories in college football history. IU has the most losses in college football history. So although I think that IU fans, Nate, will take umbrage with you saying that they only care about basketball, they care a lot about Notre Dame football. So that's... That's kind of an insult to, to them, Nate. You need to apologize. Um, listen, IU played Ohio State close to start the year. I mean, close for them, right? You, I think we all expected, like, 
a 70 to nothing game and it was what 21 to 7 something like that 21 to 3 um they were a touchdown away they were a goal line stand away from tying it up with louisville perennial ac acc power louisville who just beat notre dame so they have shown some proof of life this year but also the stats back up the idea that they're terrible and um this really shouldn't be a game iu tends to play us really like give us really annoying games over the last like 10 15 years or so i would hope that that won't be the case this time around i can't remember the last time we played iu at home in october i feel like the the past like 10 years it's been you know the game before ohio state so how much of that has been just like looking ahead and not caring about IU and also the terrible Rich Rodriguez years. But anyway, um, I think I think Michigan rolls, right? Michigan's going to destroy him. I think Tom Allen is going to celebrate uh, like he's just won the Super Bowl after IU gets a third down stop where a wide receiver just drops the ball and should have caught it just like Cornelius last week. Although, let's be fair to Cornelius. He had an amazing downfield catch. So he more than made up for that that miss. Okay, so we love you, CJ. But um, yeah, Michigan rolls. I think thirty-eight-seven. Uh, you know what's fascinating is <clears throat> Indiana has two wins: one against Indiana State, the other in four overtime versus the Akron Zips. Let me just tell you about Akron football. Akron football has one win: a three-point win against Morgan State. So, IU comes to the big house. <clears throat> Wolverines rank second in the country in giving up just 142 passing yards per game. Indiana will have an impossible time trying to move the ball. The Hoosiers are 115th in yards per play offensively, gaining just five yards per pass attempt or per pass completion between their three quarterbacks. Rod Carey is the new offensive coordinator, highest paid assistant in IU history. I expect some nice wrinkles and trick attempts, but I don't think they come off. I think it's either a sack fest or a mistimed throws fest with several interceptions. I think to Nate's point, I think I could see IU having a special teams play that makes things... Um, make them smile for 30 seconds. Michigan faces former Wolverine running back, Christian Turner, journeyman, uh, former IU Hoosiers quarterback, Jack Tuttle, AJ Barner would love the opportunity for a Tuttle to Barner TD festival for good measure to say, I'm so glad we experienced LEO and that we left you all and became Wolverines, Michigan, 41, Indiana, 13, as Michigan enjoys another win at the big house, moving to 7-0. and By the way, I just saw the radar. It's supposed to be high of 51 with a 91% chance of rain on Saturday. So it should be, be miserable, miserable conditions. So I think a lot of, a lot of running. I need to tell you one play. I need to tell you one play I saw against Maryland real quick. I'm so sorry. I just have to share this. Taven Jackson, who's Trace Jackson Davis's brother, 
who was at Tennessee, came back to IU, played at Center Grove High School, which is local in Indianapolis here. But uh, he had a play. He was in the end zone, their own end zone, ran out of it to the two-yard line and flipped it to the right side behind him as a lateral while he's getting swarmed, as in, like, this is a play I should do if he does that against us. Like, the running back stared at the ball, didn't even go after it. I'm just telling you, when I when I say it's an anemic offense, there's Big Ten West, and then there's IU. It's going to be rough. So there's plays like that that might happen in the rain, and it could just be real bad. And also pray for no injuries. Well, there we have it. That's it for this week's episode of All Things Wolverines. See you next week as we recap Michigan versus IU and look forward to the rest of the season. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.